You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, I am Martina Cunha and you are listening to Backstage Talk. Hello and welcome back to a new episode of Backstage Talk today. I always say I have the honor because I, I really do feel honored to have a lot of guests over. Uh, and today I have the honor of having Bonnie Comley uh, here at the podcast. She is the founder and CEO of Broadway HD, but I'm going to let her introduce herself uh, more deeply. So, hey, Bonnie, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for supporting live theater, um, all those things. Um, you know, keep it going while we're in pandemic um, and, uh, you know, and look to the future for when, when we can gather again in person. So, um, as you mentioned, my name is Bonnie Conley. I am the CEO and founder of Broadway HD, which is a streaming platform. It's kind of like a Netflix, but we have exclusively theater content. So it's full length plays and musicals. Um, and right now we have over 350 uh, full length plays and musicals to, uh, to stream on demand. Um, our annual subscription is a hundred bucks a year or $9.99 a month, uh, which gives you, you know, as long as you're connected to the internet, you get everything. So, um, and we celebrated our fifth uh, anniversary at Broadway HD back in October. So we were, you know, in front of the live streaming and uh, video, you know, theater and video on demand for uh, a number of years. Um, my husband is my business partner, life partner, um, and the two of us have been involved in uh what we call digital capture, which is bringing cameras into the theater and shooting what's on stage, which is very different than a movie where you take the same, you know, you could possibly take the same script and the same songs and do, you know, open it up as we say in like film terms of, you know, you're, you're not just on that one stage as a playing field. Um, but due to COVID we sort of pivoted and we're getting some other content that's being created um, uh, you know, innovatively because of the uh, pandemic, because of restrictions with uh, gathering, with uh, singing, with, you know, uh, indoor and camera and, you know, um, uh, just all of the restrictions that have been put on the whole world. Uh, so that's pretty much us, is that we're, uh, we're heading into our sixth year. We're not a startup anymore. We're just a, a new young business uh, that's growing. Um, and, uh, and we're excited to, uh, you know, keep the spirit of Broadway alive while um, people are unable to gather. I love that. And I know for me, Broadway HD has been, besides Disney Plus and besides Netflix, um, a way to stay connected 
to the stage. Not, not only Broadway, but as you said, with the other full-length plays you have uh, on the site. So it's been a way in which I've been connected to the theater. Um, I wanted to ask you, how did you end up working in the entertainment industry? Well, I, I mean, sort of, I'm older, <laughs> so I have a very long history. If you want to hear all of it, I'll try and condense it. <laughs> like with our video, you know, you look condensed in you. Um, it's, uh, I have an undergraduate degree in business, but then my master's degree was in communications and TV production. And so I started off uh, my career as an entertainment reporter and reported on theater. Um, so I was, uh, you know, working for a couple of different um, uh, cable stations at that time. Um, and so from there, uh, I took my my love of theater and my knowledge of TV and film and then was always looking to, you know, how could these, you know, I mean, because I, I grew up one of four children in a middle class family and we just didn't go to Broadway. You didn't go to the theater or the opera or dance or ballet. Uh, just wasn't on the entertainment radar for a family of six. Um, and, you know, so when I finally got to see a Broadway show as an adult, um, I thought, oh, this stuff is like amazing. Like everybody should see this. <laughs> and as a TV reporter, um, I thought, you know, what I was doing at that time was bringing snippets or telling people about shows that they could go and see. Um, but the thought was always there for how do you make this accessible to everybody? So it was always, you know, that seed of, you know, what Broadway HD is, was always there, was accessibility. Um, because again, as I said, I came from a middle-class family and when Broadway was up in, at its prime, um, you know, January, February of 2020, the average price for a musical was $125. So that was for one ticket if you were going by yourself. Um, and so, you know, it's a, it's a luxury brand at that ticket price. Yes, the Broadway League and yes, you know, producers have always tried to make Broadway accessible and, and, and having a ticket, you know, a price point for everyone, but you weren't going to get it on Saturday night. You weren't going to get it, you know, you'd have to wait for it longer. It's going to be not the, you know, the orchestra seat, you know, those kinds of things. So they'd make it available, but you still have the uh, barrier of geography. So if you can't get to New York City, if you can't get to one of those 41 Broadway theaters, even if you could afford it, then what? Um, you know, what if you have any other, you know, um, challenge, like uh, anything, any sort of physical uh, disability? Um, so what, you know, Broadway HD's baked-in mission from the beginning was accessibility. So we're taking the barriers of geography, of economics, and of any other sort of physical limitations out of the question, and we're bringing the theater and that experience to you on the internet. So whether that's at your home or you're traveling with your tablet or your phone, you know, that's how you're going to be able to access it. Um, the other thing that I um, feel strongly about with Broadway HD is, you know, is another type of accessibility, which so the, the type that I talked about is for the audience. So for the audience to have theater and Broadway and West End shows accessible to them. But the other kind of accessibility is whose shows get to be seen on a global scale. And so a couple of years ago, we created what we called the Trailblazers Rail, which was an opportunity to highlight and showcase underrepresented voices in the theater. So whether that's 
women as directors, composers, lyricists, or playwrights, whether that's any of the BIPOC community or any other underrepresented voices that, you know, we've seen, you know, Broadway um, is a, it's the pinnacle. It is the height of live entertainment, I think, around the world. And the main ticket buyer, um, the, the Broadway League, which is the trade association for producers, presenters, general managers, um, theater owners, has been around for a number of years. And they have collected the statistics and the data on who the ticket buyer is mm-hmm. for this business. And it's basically for as long as they have been collecting those statistics, it's been the same demographic. It is a white woman who's over 40 and has, uh, you know, a, a further education than high school and a higher, you know, um, disposable income. Um, and yet when you look at the who is creating the shows, it's not that woman. <laughs> so, you know, so these women, imagine, that, you know, the economics that would unfold if you actually had, you know, if you broadened that. And so there are more women out there directing and composing. And then again, take the, you know, the underrepresented, you know, voices within, you know, just the U.S. Mm-hmm. here, um, you know, if you open it up and you have authentic voices being represented on Broadway in these theaters to everyone, would that enable them? Would that encourage them? Would that get them to buy the tickets? Um, so those were the questions that we were always asking. But if you don't know about it, then you don't know about it. <laughs> and so with Broadway HD and with the Trailblazers Rail, that's what we were doing and what we're still doing is saying, this isn't somebody that either got to Broadway or they didn't last very long on Broadway. So some of those were, you know, indecent uh, by Paula Vogel, who is, uh, you know, Paula Vogel, a Pulitzer Prize winning uh, playwright. And, you know, her show was a beautifully, beautifully done production um, that starred Katrina Link, um, who went on to win a Tony Award for uh, the band's visit the subsequent year after being nominated for Indecent. Um, and that was a beautiful show that just didn't last very long for whatever reason. Um, and so we were able to go in and capture the show on Broadway at the height of its production values. And now that show lives on for a global audience to, to taste, <laughs> to see. Um, another show that didn't last very long was Pipeline by uh, Dominique Morisseau. Um, it was done at Lincoln Center. It's a mind-blowing look the pipeline is black youth from high school to prison. It's basically, and I hope I didn't spoil that for anybody, but it's a brilliant uh, piece of theater and it didn't last very long on stage, but we were able to, again, capture it with Lincoln Center and stream it to a global audience. And I think when people see these productions, it not only is, you know, because Broadway HD is an entertainment streaming platform. That's what we are. But what is our core uh, is in our DNA is this, you know, highlighting stories and voices. And I think to inspire other people to look at, you know, these playwrights, these women playwrights and composers, or these, you know, BIPOC playwrights, composers, lyricists, directors, and say, I didn't know that I could do that. I didn't, you know, I didn't know that was possible for somebody like me. And I think that that is so important in our mission um, that uh, that it's just part of, of it's part of who Broadway HD is. I love that you just 
named a lot of features and a lot of characteristics <laughs> that I do feel that are so important for the world right now. Um, I, I love the idea of Broadway HD being the highlighter of uh, underrepresented work. Uh, I love the idea of making theater accessible, but I also love the idea of being a representation tool. Because, um, as you said, when you open the theater world worldwide, people start being related and they feel represented in an industry that through history has been like owned by certain kind of people. Um, and I love that. So what you stated that the core of Broadway HD was um, highlighting voices from people that weren't represented normally. What other stories do you have, or do you have a, a, an experience about someone that sent you a message saying, hey, thank you for doing this. I feel represented and I feel my work has value. Yes. Um, one of the stories that, um, you know, because Broadway HD is, it's a commercial entity. It's, a, you know, we, we, you know, we survive off of subscribers. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think that being in the theater business, uh, I've produced for the live stage as well as TV and, and film. And so I think that, you know, part of the struggle with, with theater is that it sort of, It lands in the art space, um, but even with nonprofits and even with you know government subsidized theater around and art, not just theater around the world, um, I think it's everyone around the world struggles with the idea that you have to sell art. You know, art should be in a perfect world. Art should be available to everyone. It should be there for free. But it costs money to make this art, and therefore it costs money to sustain this art and present this art. And I am the first one to say I think that artists should be compensated for the work that they create. Um, I uh, truly believe that. So it's a business. So as much as you want to, you know... And not to say that there's anything wrong with being an artist or being, you know, commercial in any way, but I think that the, you know, the, the theater and arts around the world struggle with that because you want to give it away. You want to make it free to everybody, but it's just, it's just not done because somebody's supporting that museum or somebody's supporting that nonprofit. Uh, so, so, so we'll get that one like right, right there out of the way. Um, so as a, commercial entity, Broadway HD is, serves, you know, two masters, if you will. One is the entertainment streaming piece, which is, uh, you know, like a Netflix that we're selling subscriptions to watch these shows. And the other thing is that we are a um, member of the Broadway League. And as I mentioned, the Broadway League is the trade association. So in addition to being a streaming platform, we are a service business to the theater industry and our our obligation our honor in that is to promote the live theater business um and so that's another piece that there's always been this constant struggle with digitizing theater is that a lot of 
rightly so, producers of the live stage shows feel that if there is a digital version of their show available, that it will cannibalize the ticket sales, which means that if there is a video version living somewhere that somebody could watch, that person might not spend $125 mm-hmm. at the box office for the live show. And that is still a concern. It will be a concern when we go forward. It is a valid concern because at Broadway HD, even though we've been involved with these captures for years, there's no definitive proof that everybody that sees the digital is then going to go out and buy the ticket. You know, there's going to be people that are going to say, well, now that I've seen it, I don't need to go see it. I'm not going to spend that $100 or I didn't like that show. So... So now I'm definitely not going to buy the ticket. Um, you know, so so that's part of it. So we're a commercial business. We're serving the the entertain, you know, the people that want just entertainment. And and if you, we are the destination for full length stage plays and musicals. We're basically the you know the the twenty four seven engagement platform. That if you're a theater fan, you can't get to theater anywhere in the world right now. Um, so we're the only outlet for that. And then when theater comes back, we'll be still a 24-7 platform that you can you can go to the theater 8 o'clock at night, and at 6 o'clock in the morning, you can be watching Shakespeare digitally. <laughs> so, so it's not one or the other, in my, uh, in my opinion and my experience with Broadway HD. You can have a digital world of theater and a live stage world that are both healthy and Mm -hmm. additive to each other. So when Broadway HD launched five years ago, um, we tried to be uh, smart with our marketing dollars and our social media outreach. So we went after just U.S. English speaking But within days of launch, we had people reaching out through customer service and through our social media saying, hey, I'm trying to watch your shows, but you don't take my currency, (laughs) which was an eye opener of, okay, I wasn't, I didn't know I was talking (laughs) to you. We went worldwide and we didn't know about it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the power of the internet. And again, because Broadway HD was the first destination to aggregate all this content mm-hmm. into one place it, it got it got international attention so within days we had to change our payment collections like okay let's open it up to worldwide currency here because we've got somebody out there that wants to watch um, six months later uh, we were thrilled um, to be working with the roundabout theater company to present She Loves Me mm-hmm. as a live stream. Uh, we all made the Guinness World Records um, with being the first ever live stream of a Broadway show from the theater while the show was up, which was really exciting. And during the live stream, what happened again was we were marketing to English-speaking U.S., but at the live live of this live stream, we had uh, 84 different countries that were tuned in. So I don't know how they heard about us. I don't even know what time it was when people around the world were watching. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, I, I, I wanted Broadway HD to make theater accessible to people. But I also, <laughs> I also need to make a living, you know. And so 
I needed it to work commercially because it's, it has to be sustainable. And so I think part of our um, challenge from the very beginning, because there have been digital captures, there have been filmed, Broadway Steve didn't invent going into a theater and shooting shows. The, the, you know, PBS here in the States, the BBC has done it, and different arts, uh, you know, different TV uh, broadcast uh, companies and, and, and outlets around the world have tried to capture and broadcast their own, uh, whether it's opera, ballet, dance, um, around the world. So we didn't invent that. But what the legacy that we will leave is being the aggregator to put all this similar content into one place. Mm-hmm. So if you want to watch theater on a screen, you go to Broadway HD. Um, there are other shows. There are other shows that have landed um, on other, you know, as you mentioned, Hamilton's on Disney Plus. Um, uh, Nickelodeon has SpongeBob because that's where SpongeBob was born. Um, you know, but that doesn't mean that those things at some point, maybe it's 50 years from now, maybe it's two years from now, could end up on Broadway HD because there will become a point where those shows aren't attracting subscribers to Disney Plus or to Nickelodeon, and it will make more sense for them to license those shows to Broadway HD and say, hey, you have it and give it a home for a while because we've, we've, you know, we've tapped it, <laughs> if you will, for um, everything that we have. But the live stream that we did for She Loves Me one of the things that I didn't expect uh, was the uh, the outreach that came after that uh, with these 84 countries and people watching and the things that, you know, these, oh, I'm so getting emotional. It's pandemic <laughs> emotional. Uh, but, but people wrote to us and said that this was something that was life-changing because they had heard about Broadway and they would never experience. They knew that they would never get inside of a Broadway theater. And so to have access and to watch something while somebody was doing it and to, to, to see what that is for them was, was in their words, life-changing. Um, we had uh, teachers that were watching it with their students, and then it was a homework project that they had to write a review uh, or write their comments about um, after and you know those kinds of things that I didn't see coming were the things that were like oh you know not only am I you know doing well I'm doing good you know <laughs> and that is you know that was one of the perks one of the huge things that came out of it that I said we need to really be mindful of that from the beginning because I thought well I'm the only one that thought that, you know, like I live in New York, can't, you know, everybody can go to theater. In fact, when we launched Broadway HD and we were talking to other, uh, you know, colleagues within the Broadway uh, community and saying, oh, we're going to do a streaming platform and we're launching in, you know, 2015 and, you know, people were like, you know, it's a tri-state area and other people in the community, you know, what, what do you need that for? Why don't you just go to the theater? And, you know, Broadway HD still, if you, you know, we're based out of New York City where, you know, the Broadway community, Broadway, 41 Broadway theaters are right there in Times Square. If you draw a circle, you know, for a hundred mile radius around New York City up until a year ago, our main subscriber base fell outside of that circle because they just didn't have access to those Broadway shows. 
So the Broadway shows that tour go to, you know, there's about 200. So we have the 41 Broadway theaters in Times Square. Then there's about 200 touring Broadway theaters that, that present these Broadway shows. So whether it's Hamilton or Lion King, Wicked, you know, Book of Mormon, those ones I do not have, so don't ask me. <laughs> but when those tours go out, or even if it's, you know, Memphis or Bodyguard or whatever, you know, show is out there touring, those shows will go to those 200, and they don't always go to those 200 theaters in the first year that they swing around the country. Um, they go for about a week or two. Um, and if you're not in that city at that time that the, that tour goes through, Dallas or whatever it is, you missed it. So, you know, even if you live in, you know, California, you, there, are, there isn't a Broadway tour of every show available to you. So you're going to have to get to New York City or you're going to have to see it in some other way. Um, so this making these things accessible is is huge. I mean, so as I said, so when, you know, when people ask, you know, what are those kinds of stories? I can, you know, go through, or you could just go scrolling through my social media and see when people look at these things and say, oh my God, I always wanted to see that. Thank you. You know, thank you for making this available. Uh, we just got, uh, you know, the global um, rights to Slava Snow Show, which was um, on Broadway in 20, I want to say 18, but maybe it was no, 2019, 2018, I believe it was 2018. Um, and this is a show that has been around the world. It was off Broadway just in New York that it had over a thousand performances. It's not a traditional Broadway show. So it, again, it didn't last very long on Broadway, but internationally recognized. This show is like the pinnacle of, of you know, of clowning. This type of clowning and it's brilliantly done and it's beautifully produced and beautifully captured so for people that you know as Slava and Slava himself and his show toured the world not everybody got to see it but other people would say oh my god this was an amazing show this was really great and the other thing that I love about Slava Snow Show as one example is that that particular show, when you see the digital capture, you want to go to the theater. <laughs> you feel like, I, I, I want to be there for that. I want to be there for that show because you see the audience reaction. You see the, you know, the, 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 the players and Slava and the snow show. It, you know, it, it becomes part of the audience. The audience becomes part of the show. You know, so those sorts of things are just brilliant and theatrical. And I love that they're digitally captured. And I love that we can stream them to a global audience. Um, so those kinds of things, those stories of making things accessible. As I said, even for a show that's toured, every you think like everywhere, not everyone got to see it when this show toured around. So here's your opportunity to see that one. Um, so uh, so those sorts of things just really, um, you know, are my um, my. <laughs> kind of what I live for is to be able to do that. Um, and, and say this, you know, there's brilliant theater out there. 
um, go see it. Go see it live when we can do that again. Um, we're not about trying to replace the live experience. Um, as a producer of the live, it, it isn't even a question, but it comes up a lot. Um, you know, like, oh, you know, as if we're trying to kill live stage, you know, business, and that's never been the case. And I think that one of the things that we'll, we'll all talk about more after we come back into the live shows is how the digital is additive, how the digital is creating an appetite for the live stage experience, <laughs> because that was an argument before of, well, if they saw the digital version, why would they need to go to the theater? And I think that for all the people that saw Hamilton on Disney Plus are now saying, you know what, I I really like that. And I can't wait till I can go see it live. And it and if that show isn't available, they're gonna want to go see something else until they can see Hamilton. So it creates an appetite for the live experience, which I think encourages, you know, we're in the in the Broadway League, we talk a lot about, you know, the new audiences and the next generation um, because we've seen what happens with, uh, you know, art forms like the opera, that it seems to have an older demographic that supported it, not just in the U S but around the world. And if that, that audience, that generation is not going to the theater anymore and, or literally dying off, there isn't another younger generation that is replacing it to the same pace that is going to make it sustainable. And I think that's, you know, with Broadway HD and with uh, other digital theater um, that's out there, it's creating an appetite. It's, it's in, ensuring that there will be another generation that will go to the theater. Um, because like I said, the Broadway League has been taking the demographics of, of the theater goer. Um, and there's a reason why somebody that's over 40, you know, that's really the main audience. If you, if you sort of look at it uh, logically, because we've been trying, we've been trying to get like younger people. So younger people go to the theater if they're with their parents or grandparents or an adult takes them basically. So because they don't buy tickets. And then if you're a young person and you're going to college, you're possibly not in New York City or where there's a touring theater that's presenting a Broadway show, or you're too busy doing homework at eight o'clock at night. So, you know, then you have that. And then you could be early career that you either don't have the $125 for your single ticket to go, or you don't have the time at eight o'clock at night, you know, and that's another reason. Or then you could be, have a young family. So, you know, anybody that's ever had a young family or young children in the house at eight o'clock at night, you're probably asleep yourself if you're lucky. Um, you know, so going out at eight o'clock for something that's not going to be over till 10. And by the time you get home, it's 1030 and you've got to get up and look at somebody and feed them or whatever else you have to do. And like maybe five, six in the morning, even eight o'clock in the morning, <laughs> you know, so it's not till people get to be over 40 that it's like the, all the stars align that you have the money, the time, and, you know, like you're awake at eight o'clock at night and, and in the mood for a, you know, a two hour show. Um, so there's, there's kind of a built in reason for that. Um, and I think that will always be there, um, you know, for the Saturday nights, but other people, you know, that's why the, the, the dynamic ticket pricing is fabulous for those other nights of the week 
for those other shows that might, or the seats that you might, you know, those, you know, second balcony, you know, tickets that somebody that, you know, is just happy to go see the show and, and is less um, concerned about where they're sitting, mm-hmm. um, you know, because it's more about the economics and the timing of it. Um, we are, I, we, I mean, again, pre-COVID, we were um, a, you know, it was a ticket buying community that, you know, you like to plan. Very few people just sort of bought, you know, like, hey, it's Wednesday night. Let's go to the theater. You know, we didn't have a lot of that. There was some of like a walk-up business or the TKTS booth. Yeah, exactly. It was like people that are your age. Um, you know, that, that they that they can just wing it and go. You know, a lot of other um a lot of other people, you know, need more planning in their their timing for that. And um, you know, and, and some of them have the money to be able to buy the ticket exactly when they want it and what's what section of the theater they want it in. Um, so I think that, you know, when we come back again, there'll be, there'll still be some of those things that are still going to be there, but I think everyone will have put to bed the argument that the digital is going to kill the live space because people are watching live streams of things all over the place now. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in the pandemic, we all shifted. Um, I mean, I didn't shift because I was already there, but the, the live you know, you were asking organizations that produced live theater to suddenly become a TV studio overnight. You know, it's huge. You know, it's it's a it's a, a massive undertaking for anybody if you're planning it. You know, I plan these shoots that I do sometimes years in advance to get something. So if you just, well, we were going to do a show on Saturday, you know, oh, my God, how are we going to do this? Um, and at Broadway HD, you know, last year in, in March of 2020, what we did was we really did share resources with a lot of um, regional theater companies that, you know, New York City and Broadway shut down first. But they saw it coming. Mm-hmm. So they had time to say, we want to capture these shows. We want to live stream. We want to be able to give this to our audience because we've already rehearsed it. It was just about ready to go or it was going. And we still had other subscribers or other ticket buyers and we want to not have to refund the money. So what we did was that we actually, you know, to everybody that reached out, we tried to provide resources of, you know what, this is how you do it. Um, this is, you know, make sure you have, <laughs> number one, make sure you have the rights to all of this stuff. You know, tell everybody that that's what you're going to do. Don't go into the camera, you know, don't go into the theater with cameras and surprise people because, it, you know, it's all, you know, Broadway is entirely unionized. You, you, know, you can't do that. Um, as much as it sounds like it's doing someone a good, you know, it's a good service. You're taking advantage of somebody there, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even if it was unintentional, and even if the the intentions were that it was going to do good or, you know. But so we did that, and we started off with a couple of theaters. We were able to help them. We were able to build a, you know, a, 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 a rail, if you will, a, you know, a row of content to help them to, to for their subscribers to temporarily host the stuff. But we had so many reaching out that, we couldn't do all of it and we couldn't do it right. Um, so you know, we gave everybody that as much help as we could and much suggestions and advice that we could. And then said, you know, here's kind of who the people are out there in the unions that you need to speak to, 
or the, you know, MTIs and the, the ASCAPs and the BMIs and the CSACs and all these other, of like where you have to go to get all the rights to these things. Um, and, you know, we wish you luck. Um, and so, you know, and so a just enormous amount of, uh, you know, a digital theater has been streamed, live streamed, captured over the past year. Um, and it's become in some ways easier to do, uh, but, 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 <laughs> but, you know, this, uh, most of these uh, captures and live streams are, and I was trying to describe it to somebody else. Basically what it is, is these, they're supposed to be temporary. So the unions have made concessions and the publishing companies that represent these creators have made temporary concessions to say in a pandemic, yes, we'll allow you to live stream this and do within, it's usually within two weeks, two weeks that that person can, uh, you know, a subscriber can then access this show off of some protected, you know, video sharing platform. Um, and so in that sense, I was trying to describe to somebody, it's kind of like Snapchat. Mm -hmm. So these live streams and these, even though they're recording it, it's supposed to become inaccessible. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to disappear or be deleted or erased afterwards. And the reason for that is because, well, let me, let me start with what, what Broadway HD, what our challenge with uh, doing a digital capture has been and what the, the permanent captures that are, that are on demand somewhere that are these videos on demand, which is what Broadway HD has, you know, 350 on demand streaming videos, which means you have to be connected to the internet Right now, you cannot download these. They're, you have to be connected to the internet and you stream it. So if you only watch half of it, you can go back and watch the other half at any time while you're still a subscriber. But the transactional videos, which is what these live streams with the subsequent, oh, you, if you didn't get to watch it while it was live stream on Friday night, you have two weeks to access it somewhere. These videos are when Broadway HD would try to do our, our captures, there were discussions about what version of this, because if you're capturing it for, we're going to say forever for our purposes, the, the creators and the, the authors, the rights holders want it to be the best production mm -hmm. because quite possibly they're not going to be able to license another one. You know, you're not going to do give 50 people permission to do whatever, you know, whatever your show is. Um, let's say she loves me. You know, you're just going to say this one production is going to be the digital version that lives in eternity. So with the Broadway HD productions and the digital captures prior to COVID, the authors or the rights holders really wanted to see what the production looked like in advance. 
like I want to go and see the show. So you would have to wait until opening night, usually, to see what it looks like. So you have all this stuff planned, and then the authors could go there and say, you know what, I didn't like it. This isn't the one that I want captured. So the whole thing, like a house of cards, just just all falls down. Top of itself, and you know what? If it's their property, if it's their intellectual property, and they created the show, or they have the right, or they have the obligation to make sure that whoever wrote this, this is the version that everyone around the world should be able to see. Yes, you absolutely should have that right to say no. Just because you have a camera doesn't mean you can record this and and show it to the whole world. But and so that has been the 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 way to do business prior to COVID. Those are the ones that are these permanent digital captures. So these transactional pieces that have come up in the last year in COVID with the concessions with the unions are basically, as I said, sort of a Snapchat version. So it's theater organizations trying to keep their audiences engaged or trying to not have to refund tickets that they already sold to somebody from being refunded. It's like, please just let me do this digital version. And so the licensing companies and all the powers that be around this have said, you know what? We'll allow this for a temporary transactional period of time to live. Mm-hmm. You know, so people will see it. And hopefully it works out that the audiences are happy with it, that there's visual engagement within their theater, you know, their community there, and that they made money, that they or at least made their money back with it, um, or that it was worth it for them for the awareness building that they were doing with that piece of digital video. Um, and those are supposed to, as I said, they're supposed to become uh, inaccessible. And it's usually two weeks. Um, So I hope that that's what's happening with those is that they are becoming inaccessible because that was the deal that was made. Mm -hmm. Um, And the uh, creators of that uh, allowed it. They made a concession to allow that. So I hope that their um, concessions and that they're, you know, what they, what they wanted is um, is honored in that. So that's really the difference between the permanent digital captures is that everybody wants to see it first, or they know um, it's already. It was another production that's being uh, replicated someplace. Is the other thing. So they already saw a version of it before that's going to be basically done with the same cast or the same you know and the same sets and the same costumes and the same choreography, whatever it is. Um, so it's um. It's a, it's a, there's a lot of uh, digital engagement going around. Um, and I think as a media tech <laughs> company CEO um, and as somebody that is a live theater producer, digital engagement isn't going away. Mm-hmm. Um, people have computers in their pocket. You know, I mean, we, we, have, we walk around with one of the most powerful computers in your, you know, in the form of a cell phone um, that people, you know, even 10 years ago, 20 years ago, would dream of having something that powerful that had that kind of access uh, to change things. Um, 
And so how we become aware of shows or theater organizations is not going to go away. The internet is, is here. Um, what, you know, some of my things that I think that uh, we're learning after a year of streaming this stuff is, you know, it's time to sit down and reevaluate, you know, is this really working for us? Because as I said, we, at Broadway HD, we did all sorts of planning for this. We were marketing to a global audience for six years, you know. So now uh, with a temporary piece of video, do you need to do the whole show? Um, and then what do you charge? You know, so, you know, a year ago, nobody had any idea, you know, how do I charge for this? Mm -hmm. What do I charge for this? You know, is it what... And so it's that, you know, with digital businesses, there's always a uh, sort of a motto of, you know, um, think global and act local. And that's what these theaters were. If they had the right marketing um, and the right leadership, we're doing. Is that they're thinking, you know what, I'm going to put this up on the internet and the whole world can see it. But if I'm a theater in Kansas do I really need the whole world to be aware of me? Or is it more important that the community that I was serving pre-COVID is aware that I'm still here and I'm going to open back up? And then after I open back up, you can still use that community, that digital community that you built to keep them like, hey, we're open. The doors just flew open. And now you've been engaged with us online. Now come and see us. So I believe that it really isn't necessary for everybody, every theater producing organization out there to digitize, live stream, and or digitally capture mm -hmm. these permanent things their entire season. I just don't think it's necessary. It wasn't what you were doing before and that, you know, all of a sudden you felt like you needed to do it and I'm going to give all of this I'm going to go digitally with. Um, as I said, I believe in digital engagement. I don't believe in giving away things for free. So this idea of, oh, it's a tip jar or it's a whatever, you know, like don't just pay what you can kind of thing is, is a lovely sentiment and thought. But for everybody, even if you're a nonprofit, you need to act entrepreneurially mm -hmm. in order to sustain yourself. And so the ones that don't do that, are not going to open their doors again after uh, after the pandemic is over, in my opinion. Um, so I think that giving stuff, away, you know, give away some of it, give away pieces of it, show snippets, like we did with B-roll, with Broadway shows. Um, you know, there's a way for people to get a sense of what you're doing and then have a meaningful uh, engagement with your community. So if you're a theater in Kansas, you can either talk about the shows that you were doing, show maybe you can get permission to do some archival video or something that you have, um, or bring in the, the actors or the creatives that were going to be working in your season, your 
you know, maybe they're local or now everybody can get to you with uh, Zoom, you know, is to host something like that and, and capture that and say, have them talking about why this particular show was going to be done in this theater in Kansas at this time. Yes. Why was this important for these people in this community? And then it, it's more meaningful for them because you're putting it on the internet, which is thinking globally, but you're acting locally because the community that you really are there to serve is that local community in that theater in Kansas that are going to be the ones that you're going to have to serve when the pandemic is over. You should be, you know, that's, that's what your, what your, what your audience was. That's who your audience should still be. You know, if you happen to grab somebody's attention, that's in a foreign country someplace then that's wonderful. You, you know, but the chances of them coming to your theater in Kansas to watch a show later is, is not great. Um, and not a good, uh, spend of, uh, you know, marketing or brand awareness, you know, dollars in my opinion. And I think that's, that's what it's all about. So I think there's ways to digitally engage with short form videos with other things that are less expensive than the full out production of shows. And people are, are happy because you've customized it to them and told them why that show was relevant to your theater in your community with these actors or these creators. We're taking, you know, um, whatever it is, She Loves Me or Oklahoma or whatever show it is. And we're going to, you know, we're going to do some sort of revival or re-envision it for our community. And that's why it's important to us here, because I think if you try and you know, everybody keeps trying to live stream every full out production that they have to the entire world. It's just, you're just blasting stuff out there. And that's not going to be your community when the, your, your physical doors of your theater open back up. And that's not because I feel like, oh, somebody's competing with me <laughs> with Broadway HD because, because, well, they are, but so is everybody. You know, I'm, Netflix is, is I'm competing, you know, Netflix is competing with me, you know, you know, Disney Plus is competing with me. <laughs> but, but so is like, a, you know, TikTok videos and, you know, walking the dog is competing with you because it's something else you could be doing instead of going to the theater. So everything is competition to you. So why is that meaningful to your people in your community to come to your theater? And I think that's what people have to really focus on. And if you can localize it in that way, it's really meaningful and it's the money is well spent to, to speak and to speak digitally and your digital engagement for your community is really meaningful and it's a good spend. I, I, I want to go back to one thing you mentioned um, because for me, digital capture is all about giving shows an afterlife being on stage. You mentioned that a digital capture is a way to immortalize shows. And I love that thought because there are a lot of shows that have been on Broadway, off Broadway, on the West End that I cannot see because of their productions were five years ago, ten years ago. Uh, and they're not going to get a revival soon. And I do think that a digital capture is a way of preserving that show with the original cast, with the original creators, the original choreography. Um, and that is just something that inspires me a lot because there are 
a lot of shows that were young or they're targeted for young audiences like Be More Chill or The Lightning Thief uh, that closed, both closed uh, early in 2020, uh, that we are not going to be able to see them. We only have the production photos or the archive videos for marketing, but we, we won't be able to get the whole idea of the show. Like it's happening with the shows you have on, on, on Broadway HD or pro shots like Hamilton or Newsies. Uh, that, and, and that relates to making theater accessible because these shows were, were successful even in their short runs, uh, but now they are just back in, in like oblivion and we only have the cast recordings. Uh, so, so I, yeah, that I, I think that, that there lies the power of digital capture for me. Well, let me speak to that because, I mean, that's the whole, you know, the, the, I mean, the magic of theater is that shared experience that sitting next to people in the theater and they have these studies where everybody's heart beats at the same rate, you know, all these sort of wonderful, uh, you know, uh, outcomes of being in, in a, in a shared space. Um, and, and I, I'm, I buy into all of that. I believe that I believe in the magic of theater and shared experience. I really do. And part of theater, the, that magic of theater is that it's ephemeral and that it it's there and then it's, it's, it's not there anymore. Like it's gone, <laughs> it's totally gone. And that's part of the, the magic of it is that it was like only there for that, like that little kismet of like, oh, there it was for that minute. And then, then we're gone. Um, and I think that, you know, that is part of what makes Broadway HD um, successful is that we captured one of the magic moments. We captured the one, uh, you know, well, the truth is we sometimes don't always capture just the one night <laughs> because what we do is we shoot multiple, ver you know, we shoot the show multiple times. So we go in, I mean, I don't think we've, we've never used less than four cameras. So we go in with from four to, I think we've used up to 16 cameras in HD or and or 4K. Um, and we ideally shoot three times mm -hmm. so it's the same cast and we try and shoot it three times in a row so it's usually like Wednesday matinee Wednesday evening and then Thursday night you know or if we're actually or when we were live streaming some things we try and do it you know whatever way. But, but and then the, the, that third one would be the live stream and the reason for that is which is sort of funny when you think about it with the, the magic of theater and like, oh, you never know what's going to happen. Somebody could forget a line, trip over the rug, with somebody's cell phone, you know, like those kinds of things. Like, oh, I was in the theater the night that, you know, um, whatever it is. But when we talk about immortalizing these productions on video, we want it to be perfect. <laughs> we don't want to have those like missing. <laughs> We don't want the cell phone going off or the person who stood up in front of the camera and walked out to use the restroom in the middle. You know, like you just, you want to edit those things out. Um, but we've actually done a couple that were, you know, uh, and, and most of our shoots, we do so much pre-production planning and planning with the cameras in advance, the TV directors that we use plan out every shot with every camera, like way in advance. And, you know, 
so we capture something like if they just if we just put together one show, it's basically perfect. Um, because everybody on Broadway is perfect. They are at the height, height, height of their game. Um, you know, from the lighting to the sound to the costumes to the sets to I mean just the actors, everybody is just spot on perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that they do it eight times a week is mind blowing to me. Um but we have at times, you know, it, with with She Loves Me in the live stream, Laura Benanti is eating out. If you're not familiar with the show, she's she's it's like a breakup song and she's so sad and she's eating ice cream, but she's eating ice cream and it falls off the spoon and, and, and she's in bed in her pajamas. So the ice cream falls off her spoon onto her pajamas and she with with because she's a pro. She eats the ice cream because that's what you do if you were in your pajamas at home. She eats the ice cream, like uses her spoon. She scoops the ice cream off of her own pajamas and she eats it. You know, and we were like, oh my God, you know, she's done this show a hundred times already. I can't believe she just dropped the ice cream in her lap. But it was so real and so charming. And she was in character the entire that it was so believable that it was a magic moment that we caught that never happened before never happened again but we got it on the digital capture and then we kept it you know because we sort of looked at it and she was like go ahead keep it you know what I mean and we were like we have to we kind of have to you know um a, a, a similar story um but on the other side of like you know what take it out was um, we did uh, Romeo and Juliet with Orlando Bloom, and the guy was—I mean, it's Orlando Bloom—and uh, he <laughs> he's doing his Romeo to Juliet scene, and it's sort of a fire escape-looking ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, we did it in, you know, current, uh, you know, uh, uh, current-day costume. So he's wearing like motorcycle boots. And so he, every night he would jump like halfway up this fire escape ladder and just, you know, climb up to the top to, 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 to speak to Juliet. And one of the times when we were shooting, he jumped up halfway and his motorcycle boot kind of did like a little, like a little skid thing. And I mean, but, but he's like so buffed and built that he like pulled himself up with just his arms to straighten himself back out. So it really... Again, like totally in character, totally fine. But we looked at that and said, he's been flawless every other time, like Spider-Man jumping halfway up a fire escape ladder. And this one time we captured him with his boot kind of like doing a little shuffle thing there and said, you know what, let's go with the perfect one because that's how we really did it every And that's what we want from Romeo. fly up the, the the fire escape ladder perfect you know um and he was flawless he was just flawless so you know it's that sort of thing again you can you know go either way but you know with that with that capture people want it to be preserved in a perfect way so the perfect version is what can live in eternity for everybody that didn't get to see that show so and i love that you brought that up but here's the other thing that me and the Broadway HD team as being, you know, sort of these tech people that are more, like, you know, say I'm more innovative and more forward thinking than other people, but I kind of have to be. Um, and so one of the things that, you know, we look at with digital 
assets, we call them, which is either cast recordings for musicals or digital, full-out digital uh, productions that we capture, um, is how additive they are to licensing the shows in the secondary market, which means that after a show has been on Broadway, there's 41 Broadway theaters pre-COVID and probably, you know, so the, so the, so the, the post-COVID will be a little bit different, but basically the pre-COVID, there was on average 30, 30 new Broadway shows every single season. So the rotation of shows that came through meant that there was, you know, constant renewal of the shows that were there. So if there's 41 shows, if you get to the point that you're a Broadway show, you're guaranteed um, that you're going to get licensed. MTI or Concord, somebody's going to license your show and make it available to other producers and other organizations to be able to do that show at another time. They might hold on to the rights till they're done with their Broadway tour, but they're going to make it available. So you're guaranteed a license. Then you have the off-Broadway just in New York that there's, um, again, post-COVID, there was about 150 off-Broadway shows or, and theaters. Then add in the off-off-Broadway shows, which are harder to track because some of them were these like auditoriums that weren't really a theater, but we have, you know, sort of an auditorium kind of setting. So we're going to sell tickets and off it is. So it's theater, you know, so you're talking about 30 new Broadway shows that get licensed every year. So I'm not talking about the regional theaters that also develop shows Mm -hmm. that then get done and licensed and might not make it to Broadway. So you're talking about, there's hundreds, hundreds of new shows that are published and are available to license mm-hmm. and do in other theaters from, you know, middle school through amateur, you know, community theater productions or, or other regional, you know, big time regional theaters are going to do these. The thing that sets these shows apart and gives them more chance a better uh a better chance of being licensed is digital assets which means you have a cast album if you are a musical or you have a cast album and a digital capture or if you just a play just the digital capture because that piece of digital video digital and uh, digital asset is going to make you stand out mm-hmm. than just the I say printed because I'm old just the okay, uh, just the, the text version of a play because if you went into a you know theater bookstore or even if you're going online it's like you know you have to read all this so we break it down of like well how many you know how many people in the cast where is it said is it you know how many different set changes you know it's sort of the basics about it that you look at and say am I going to be able to do this in my theater what's the most enjoyable way is you listen to a cast album or you look at a digital capture so those things have popped to the top of the list of things that get done but because they have digital assets mm-hmm. 
Um, and so it, 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 it's undeniable the additive value that these digital assets have to these Broadway brands, I'll call them, these Broadway shows, because it is a, you know, you wrote it, it gets published, it's a, it's a, it's something that's for sale. It's a product now. Um, and so the, the digital piece helps it, is added in that way. So here's the Broadway HD innovative part is that we are looking at and talking to theater makers on their way to Broadway. So you mentioned Be More Chill. Be More Chill was done at a regional theater in New Jersey. They recorded the cast and put the cast album on the internet. And it received so much attention that it warranted a Broadway show. That was not done in that way before, ever. Um, and yet, when the show got to Broadway, it couldn't sustain itself um, for whatever reason, because it's, you know, $125 a ticket, and, uh, you know, who's the audience? Are you trying to bring five kids with the two parents? You know, like, how expensive is that? Um, and I don't know that it was just price. Again, it's that most shows are at 8 o'clock at night, even if they're at 7 o'clock at night, and you're bringing people that have to go to middle school or high school the next day, you know, you're all looking at Saturday night, Saturday afternoon, or a Sunday matinee, you know, to, to bring your to bring your family to that show. And it's hard to flip that, you know, take out, you know, take out five nights of the week and only do the show on the weekends or whatever it is, you know, um, to make the economics work. So it's, um, I think that in the future, because we're working on it now, we're looking at like, you know, in the, in the spirit of, in the business plan of a be more chill of putting the digital assets out into the world before the Broadway version and, and, and getting people familiar with that show and having it stand out so that by the time it gets to Broadway, People are, oh my God, I can't wait to see that. I know all the songs, you know? Um, and I think that that is not, um, it's not unrealistic. And it's something, as I said, we're already looking at that. We're looking at that um, in other countries at this point as well of, um, you know, shooting things. And then because we have an internet company, if needed, we can geoblock things. Meaning, okay, so we shot this show in the UK and you know, everybody's watching it on video. We want to bring it to Broadway so we can geoblock the tri-state area. You know, if you uh, live in the tri-state area, and that's what your emails are, tells us that you're basically that you're living in that area, you're not going to have access to it. Um, you know, and see how that works. Or take it down temporarily. But, you know, it's a big world. So even if we just take it down U.S. while it's on Broadway and the rest of the world can watch it, it's still, you know, it's still creating and per perpetuating a, uh, promoting a brand while tickets are sold somewhere else. So I do think that, you know, to your point of, um, it preserves shows, but it also is going to, uh, promote brands going forward. 
and and let and make you know build awareness before before it gets to that hundred and twenty five dollar ticket, and people can't wait to go see it. Well, Bonnie, thank you so much for being here. I have two last questions for you. Sure. First one. Um, Top five favorite musical theater shows. Um, top, my top five. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I love stuff that's on the Broadway HD platform. I, you know, and it, it's so hard when people ask me to, to pick a favorite of anything because I also have five children and I can't pick um, <laughs> a favorite child. So things that I really love and for whatever reason, I love She Loves Me because because it was such an exciting evening to be able to, you know, live stream that for the first time ever to the world. I love Holiday Inn because Laura Lee Geyer is amazing and the choreography of these people that had to sing and jump rope that was actually like a piece of Christmas garland is 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 beyond is beyond beyond talent um i love the hugh jackman oklahoma that we have because it's a classical presentation of oklahoma um i also loved the broadway version that just you know won a tony award a year or two ago because it was a, a reinvention revisit of that show but i love like this one because it, it, it is traditional um I love, love, love 42nd Street. Um, It it was uh, a cast of 52. Um, The talent in that, that you could sing and tap dance like that at the same time is is just awe-inspiring. What is that, four? Um, And then I need another one. I I really, (laughs) for whatever reason, I love cats. We have cats. We have cats. shows that lasted so long it's still it's gonna go out and go on tour again when broadway you know when the touring broadway reopens cats is going out again there's a reason why people watch that it's just really again it's the talent that's on stage it's we have elaine page and it's so heart-wrenching for Isabella. um you know it's, it's so it, those are I, I would say like if i have to pull the five those are those are them that i love for music <laughs> <laughs> I missed in there that I'm going to say, oh, I forgot to mention that. But those are, those are five. I love that. And last question, um, where can people find more about you and Broadway HD besides BroadwayHD.com? Um, I think, you know, does anybody really need to know more about me? Um, <laughs> that's kind of scary. <laughs> um, uh, well, it's RoadwayHD.com. And then, I mean, if you want to Google, I guess you can Google, you know, you want to see what my Broadway credits are, you can go to IBDB.com, which is uh, the the Broadway League's database for Broadway uh, credits. Um, and I, I, mean, I think that's it. I mean, what else do you need to know? <laughs> I do all this purple, which you can see. You know. <laughs> um, um, but, you know, and I guess that, you know, anything else I don't think you need to know about me. Um, I love funny. theater. I love live theater. I you know, it is my honor to present all of the Broadway HD digital versions that we have streaming around the world. Uh, I love it. I love live theater. I can't wait for everybody to get back. Um, and uh, I think that's all anybody needs to know about me. <laughs> and I thank you so much for having me. Thank, no, thank you. you. It's been a lovely chat. And I know it's been super insightful. 
and I know our audience will love it. So thank you so much for being here. It was my pleasure. Thanks everyone for listening to this new episode of Backstage Talk. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Backstage Talk Podcast. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.